Welcome to 5D Full Disclosure. This is Aurora, and we're going to talk about the Celestine Prophecy. If you have never heard of the Celestine Prophecy or have not read the book, I highly encourage you to look into it. Um, the book was written by James Redfield. It was published back in the early 90s, and it is pretty much a channeling um, of the stages um he calls them the insights and they really kind of represent the stages of awakening that we will go through not only individually but collectively so this is a bit similar to the things that i've shared from richard rudd in terms of uh, the seven seals or the gene keys there's many many prophecies including the hopi prophecy as well that gives insight into how the ascension was going to unfold. Now, of course, when a lot of this information was brought, you know, there's the Mayan prophecies, there's the Hopi prophecies, there's the Celestine prophecies. Um, they all kind of give a little bit of a different perspective on the stages of this evolution and the awakening process. And of course, they're going to be a little bit different um, from what we're seeing today because we've never done this before okay so we've never actually gone through a physical ascension this was the experiment of earth um, and truly was the only way that we as humanity plus mother earth could evolve together was to actually go through a physical ascension um, so it's never been done before so in many ways we are going to be feeling into new insights um, and new kind of explanations for the different stages of awakening um, because we're still kind of co-creating this process. But James Redfield gives amazing descriptions and insights as to what the process looks like and how one individually and how we collectively are going to move through the awakening process. And <clears throat> so by going through the different insights and feeling into where you're at on your journey, it does give us a pretty good roadmap in terms of how our consciousness expands and how our perspective changes throughout each stage. And I feel this is going to become very important for the first waivers, if you're a first waiver, you're probably more towards the end of the insights. Um, there are 13, 12 have, that were written by James Redfield and the 13th was given to us um, by mom herself. So this gives us a really good roadmap. So for the first waivers, I feel getting um, comfortable and kind of learning about these insights and the different stages is also helpful for you to be able to gauge where other people who may be um, behind you in the awakening process, um, where they're at. And it is going to be helpful for all of us as a collective to kind of understand how we're going to move through these different waves. So the first insight is a critical mass. And you guys may have heard Many light workers talk about critical mass or the light quotient before. And basically what that means is that once a certain amount of beings reach the higher levels of insights and have actually integrated them into their daily lives, 
that we reach a critical mass or a light quotient where the um, awakening process is thereby accelerated at a million fold. <clears throat> it's similar to the hundredth monkey effect. Um, if you guys have ever heard of that or studied it, it basically states that um, experiments were done and if a hundred monkeys could be trained to do a specific action or behavior, that that would then end up trickling out to other monkey collectives that weren't even in contact with that group of monkeys. It basically tells us about collective consciousness and the hundredth monkey effect is essentially critical mass or reaching the light quotient. Um, so the first insight, and this is from James Redfield, is about noticing synchronicity. And he says, synchronicity is the entry point, the measure of whether we've connected spiritually. These meaningful coincidences are tiny miracles steering us toward the good life. They are always seeking first to awaken us and then to allow us to be guided by a spiritual connection to the unfolding of our intended destiny. Staying in a state of alert expectation, and we'll change the word expectation, I feel, to anticipation. So staying in a state of alert anticipation concerning questions of our lives or the help we need increases the frequency of the synchronistic answers. The secret is remembering to watch for the magical synchronistic moments. So the first insight <clears throat> is basically when we begin to understand that everything is connected. And this is typically the very first stage of awakening. It's when one starts to notice that synchronicities or coincidences start to become not so coincidental. It's the, the feeling that something supernatural or something beyond what we can perceive is actually working its way, weaving its way through life and that there is a force that is much bigger than ourselves that is actually coordinating our lives. You know, anytime we've come across a piece of information just as we were thinking about it or we cross paths with someone who provides us with a nugget of truth that is essential for us to get to our next level. These are all synchronicities. So the first stage is about starting to notice the synchronicities because synchronicities are the true flow of Mother Earth. <clears throat> they are kind of destined events or coincidental events that actually are showing us the path to our neck to take our next step. And once you start noticing the synchronicities, you can't stop noticing them. So this is the first stage of awakening is when we start to discover that there's something greater going on beyond us. Things are happening that we can't explain. We can't explain why we've stumbled across, you know, a piece of information just exactly when we needed it. Or we see a synchronistic number just as we are kind of asking for a sign, you know, angels, please give me a sign or help me. And we see, you know, a synchronistic number 
or somebody calls us out of nowhere and just kind of gives us exactly what we were looking for in that moment. That is the that is the web of unity consciousness of divine intelligence working its way. I also recommend the book by um um now I'm blanking out. What is it called? Um The Synchronicity Key. I feel that it's called Yes, the synchronous the synchronicity key by David Wilcock is a really good book as well. Um, that kind of shares more about this. And so once you start noticing the synchronicities, you start becoming a part of that web. You start becoming a part of that divine intelligence flow. And then you move to the second insight. <clears throat> And he says, this step in consciousness happens when we look back on the spiritual journey of humanity throughout history. We see that we are in a new phase of human progress. Humanity is now awakening from a materialistic worldview and moving into a new outlook that recognizes spiritual design. This design rewards an attitude of helping others and making the world better. When we adopt this new world perspective, our soul's dream of our mission comes to us and we move toward this destiny by a new miraculous intuition and synchronistic flow. We are learning to make our way in the world by finding a spiritual connection and allowing ourselves to be guided. In this way, we are discovering more detailed understanding of how the world genuinely works. Together with this insight, we can shape another historical era of inspirational life for generations to come. So this one's a little bit more vague, but in the book, he basically talks about how we start to understand the bigger picture. So I would say in the first insight, we start to understand that there is something larger than ourselves, something more magical and intelligent that is actually guiding our lives, right? And that things aren't coincidental and we're not here on accident. We're actually here for a purpose and that there are signs and messages everywhere all of the time. All of life is communicating with us all of the time because everything is alive and everything is holding divine intelligence, if it's something that's an organic thing. So plants, animals, nature, all divinely intelligent. Rocks also, elementals, um, those sort of things are also divinely intelligent. Human beings, of course, animals as well. Everything is divinely intelligent. The wind, the waters, the sun, the planets, all divinely intelligent. And they're always communicating with us, showing us the signs. And it's only once we start noticing them that then it opens up this whole new world of like, oh, shit, how did I miss all of this before? You know, once you start living in the world of magical synchronistic events, you're like, how was I living at all (laughs) um, before this? Because everything seems so confusing and hard to figure out when we're in the mind. But when we're finally in the heart, that's when we start noticing the magical synchronistic events. And then the second insight is kind of the bigger picture where we start to see, okay, what is our purpose here on earth right now at this time as a humanity and as a collective? And we start to see that we are a part of a much greater evolution. So for this particular moment in this now, 
we are going through the greatest um, leap of evolutionary consciousness that's ever occurred. And so this bigger picture starts to come into play as he talks about a spiritual design. And we start to get downloaded with our soul's dream or mission, as he calls it. This is the calling. This is when one receives their higher calling is in this second insight. They start to see the bigger picture. They start to see that we are all here as an evolution and that we have a great purpose that is not just to be living aimlessly. And once we tap into that, we receive our higher calling. Our soul mission starts to pull on our heartstrings. We start to feel that urge that we are here to do something much bigger than what we originally intended. Um, And interestingly, in the book, he talks about um, looking at the history, uh, more recent history, I would say, within the last 500 years or so. But he makes an interesting observation in his book that through the earlier days, you know, um, maybe the 1400s and things like that, we were very dominated by religion and by churches. And everyone was basically just kind of ruled by the churches and the religious rulings. And it was kind of, it was kind of understood that if you follow the rules of the church or the rules of religion, then you would be deemed a good person and you would go to heaven, et cetera, et cetera. And the church themselves and people who embodied the church were kind of looked at as higher, higher above than the average person, you know, priests and bishops and leaders of the church. They were you know, we were told that they were the bridge between us and God. And somewhere around the 1500s is when religions began their first kind of collapse. And he talked about this coming with the Renaissance um, and how the Renaissance kind of brought about um, this awakening in terms of that there was spirituality, there was actually spirit within all of us that we didn't actually need to go through the church figures. And kind of this birthing, the Renaissance was this birthing of source energy. There was so much creation going on between music and art and theater and writing, poetry. It was kind of this explosion of source energy of where the collective started to see and understand that there was more going on than just the church, that the church wasn't the end-all be-all, that there was God amongst other things. And people started to slowly pull away um, from the church. Different civilizations collapsed, different churches lost power. Um, And I feel that the the, the people started to really feel like they had a, a more of a calling. They had more to offer than just kind of being servants, you know, and just sticking to their little jobs. And so he talks about this. And then he talks about how we later moved into more of the colonization and industrial age. And, you know, that was our way of kind of feeling like we were creators too, right? 
So we realized that we had all this creative, you know, amazing source energy that we could create beautiful things, the birthing of, of the arts. And then we started being more industrial. We started building civilizations more advanced. We started kind of colonizing and dominating other places. And so we kind of, you know, almost began to feel like we were the gods, which we all are, God with God. But we started to separate from as much of the religion and we started focusing on what we could create and build. And he basically throughout the whole book talks about how humanity is always looking for God. They just don't know it. They're just looking in all these different places because we haven't come to the point of remembering who we are. So we move through that industrial age and then we start leading into like the 19th century where science becomes our God. And because we feel so lost in the world, it's like, okay, well, we can build cities and we can make art and that's all great. But what else? You know, what else is there? And science was our way of trying to logically understand God, to logically understand creation, to logically understand why we're here and what our purpose is. The problem is that it can only go so far with logical understanding. So now we've gone from a place where we, you know, worshipped religion and churches. We've pulled back on that. But now we worship science. And science is man-made. It's the mind. It's just the mind's way of logically understanding something that can only truly be understood with the heart. So that kind of brings us to the third insight, which is energy. And when you reach the third insight, <clears throat> he says, we realize the universe is not dead or uncaring. It is an energetically connected environment that is spiritually constructed to bring our greatest dreams into fruition. All we have to do is align our lives with the universe's ruling principle, which is giving. He says, to create this new worldview, we must understand and live in alignment with the universe's karmic design. We begin to fulfill the latest discoveries of quantum physics. As we open up to synchronicity and intuitive guidance, we realize that we, in fact, share consciousness with one another and the divine. The path to this majestic life lies not in ruling others or taking what we want. It lies in always looking out for the best interests of others. And at the same time, striving to perceive something they need in order to manifest their dreams. What's more is when we practice improving in this way, it creates an immediate karmic effect in our lives. When we help others, we karmically begin to attract people into our lives who act the same way. And they in turn help us. These helpers are also being given intuitive suggestions of how they can help, and we experience their aid at exactly the very moment that it is destined. We adopt this outlook and we ask ourselves how we can be of service to another, how our consciousness connects more deeply with the divine and our intuitive capacity opens. As this happens, we receive an intuitive suggesting a specific way that this person needs information or aid. We begin to experience the transforming of reality by becoming an agent of the divine. The wish to help others open up our divine connection 
and strengthens our union with the higher intelligence. We can also prove this reality to ourselves by noticing what happens if we decide to pursue the opposite course in life and become not a giver, but a taker. The same karmic principle is in effect. If you take, you will draw people who take from you. If you manipulate others or steal energy for personal gain, you will find you will be treated the same way. This is not for punishment. It is to allow us to feel what we are doing to others so we can come back into alignment. By getting into alignment with karmic design, we attract more desirable life-enhancing connections with others, thereby injecting synchronicities into our lives. Thus, giving to others brings forth the exact divine coincidences needed for our dreams to come true. All we have to do is participate. So the third insight is really when we start to understand that everything is energy. And this is, you know, something we've talked about for a long time, that everything in your external environment is a mirror of you. So the way that we learn to navigate the world changes in this third insight. We start to realize that life is always interacting and responding to our energy. So we start to realize that all the experiences that we've had in our lives, we actually manifested them as a mirror of our own energy. And this is where most people get stuck, is on this third insight, I would say, because the third insight requires accountability. If you cannot take accountability for everything you have manifested in your life, you will never understand the true energy of giving and receiving. The equal energy exchange, as we call it, is the same concept that James Redfield is referring to as the karmic design. So we start to realize that when we are giving equal energy exchange out, so basically once we are aligning ourselves to be in service to the greater good, we start manifesting assistance. The universe, because it is divinely intelligent, it will always move the pieces where they need to be at the right moment they need to be there. When you are in service to the whole, to the higher, the higher good, and basically you've received your mission and your higher calling from the second insight, and you begin to follow that, that's when the universe starts moving every single piece into place to support you because the universe supports those who are giving, who are serving love and serving the whole. Now you may say, well, <clears throat> I see a lot of people in 3D, you know, getting what they want and thriving and they're not really in service and they're not awake. And yes, in the matrix, it was possible to avoid karma uh, to a certain extent. Um, you could live a whole lifetime where you kind of evaded karma, karmic consequences, um, but it would still run down your DNA line and it would always um, rep uh, present itself at a later moment. It might be a later incarnation or it might be through the genetic line. Um, and so the third insight is where we really take that leap where we start to understand energy. And this is why we talk a lot about what is giving energy and what is taking energy. And basically anytime you are in a lower frequency, you're taking energy. Um, and then this also results in also, you know, taking from the earth, 
um, taking in the means of, you know, we see high amounts of greed and hoarding and things like that. That's another, you know, energy of taking. So we have to flip it here in this third insight. We become the givers. Now, this also does not mean that you are a savior and you need to give all of your energy to helping save others. That's not actually giving. It's another form of taking Um, because when we seek to save others, it's because we actually want to take some energy from them to validate ourselves, to gain some sort of validation. Um, being in service to the whole means you simply follow your divine soul calling and your your specific mission, whatever that may be. And part of that is to accept that you are an agent of the divine, as he as James Redfield describes. So when you are an agent of the divine, you simply follow the synchronistic events and you follow your intuitive guidance and your focus is on fulfilling your soul purpose, your soul mission. And of course, you're always going to be there to help others along the way, just as others are there to help you. The only difference is we're no longer attaching to that and it's not about saving others. It's about assisting them when the moment is has presented itself kind of in that divine flow where, especially when somebody's ready, you know, people have to be ready to accept help or assistance. If we're not ready to accept help or assistance, then the help will not arrive. So what we do is when we try to wake people up or convince them of what the truth is, we're actually interfering in the divine flow of those destined events because they're not ready to receive the information. If they were ready, you would know. So you have to follow the flow, you know, follow that divine guidance. And so this third insight is where a lot of people will get stuck um, because there's a leap between the second and the third. Following your soul mission and your life's calling is a big difference between just knowing that you have a higher calling, but you're not actually serving it. Um, and this is where we start to really understand energy and, and really see how life is always responding to us. The second that we are choosing to follow our soul, you know, soul calling, and we are dedicating ourselves to kind of mastering our energy, dissolving our lower frequencies so that we can properly co-create rather than just kind of having to always have our lower things mirrored to us in an external way, we become so aware of ourselves that we start consciously co-creating our reality. So that's, this is a big one. The third insight is a really big one of where attention goes, energy flows, all that kind of stuff. Wherever your focus is, that's where the energy is going to present itself. If you're doing the inner work, if you're following the synchronistic events, if you are heeding your soul calling all of the support of the universe is going to show up to help you if you're focused on the lower if you're still focused on the 3d and the and the fear and the savior programming and all of that kind of stuff it's going to keep mirroring it to you it's going to keep presenting you with the same things over and over and over so it's in the third where we completely master energy Um, So this is a big one. And um, if you guys are interested to look more into this, please do read the book. It's um, got some really, really great nuggets in there. So these are the first three insights. Um, 
and I'll do the next series on the fourth, fifth, and sixth, but really feel into the third insight and where, where you're at with that. Reflect on your experiences and reflect on your life right now and see what it's communicating to you. What is it showing you? And then wherever you don't really like the experiences you're having or the life that is being reflected to you in the external, where can you change that? Where might it be reflecting to you lower frequencies? The lower emotions take energy. The lower thought system takes energy. Fear takes energy. And so the universe will reflect that to you. When you start giving energy, which is when you're above 200 level vibration and you're truly in service to the higher good, that's when the universe will start reflecting that to you, the blessings and the alignment. So it's either a lesson or a blessing, but here is where the biggest shift happens is at this third insight. So I will do another one on the next three insights and just feel into that and highly recommend if you, um, if anybody wants to dive deeper into their journey, where they're at. Um, if you feel like you're ready to take a leap and you're just not sure how to do it, um, I recommend booking a session with us or reaching out to one of us, um, because this is a really big month to make those leaps of faith and to take those leaps in consciousness. So love you guys. And I'll be back for the next series.